Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you may be seated, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Now I want you to turn back to him and say this morning, you may say amen. Or you might say, oh me. I want to talk to you about the family today, a very important subject. A husband took his wife to a dance, and there was a guy on the dance floor that was just dancing like crazy. He was doing the tango. He was doing the moonwalk. He was doing break dancing, spinning on his head, and doing everything. And the wife turns to her husband and says, "Uh, you see that man out there on the dance floor? 25 years ago, he asked uh, me to marry him, and I said, no. Husband said, looks like he's still celebrating today, isn't he? (laughs) How many of you believe with me marriage is tough? Can be extremely tough. And we want to address that today. Uh, If you'd like to turn to Genesis, that's where we're going to start. But Genesis begins with the creation story. In the beginning, God created the heavens of the earth. The earth was without form and void, and and, uh, darkness covered everything. And out of the abyss, the Holy Spirit comes and hovers over and incubates this creation of God by the Word of God. Day one, then day two, and three, and four, and five... He makes all the fish of the sea, the fowls of the air, and once you know every day that God created, he said, it is good. But on the sixth day, he created all the land animals, and on the last of that six days, he created man. And man is the crown of God's creation, if you will. And he didn't say it was good, he said it's very good. Now, I want you to know God's good is very good. And this is the beginning. In chapter 2, he uh, allows us to see some commentary about what happened in chapter 1. And then the unfolding and the directive of man begins to come about. He gives us the uh, plan for man. He says that man should take care of the garden. He should work there, tend it. He should name the animals. So God brings the animals to Adam, and he begins to name them. But Adam begins to see the community and the interaction among the animals, the herds, the pods, the, the different things that uh, they're into, packs and flocks. But there's no helpmate for him. There is no person for him. And um, so God made him a helper or a helpmate. Now, ladies, let me say this. The first mention of you is not wife. It's helper. Man, it's getting quiet in here. It's helpmate. Now, that's going to come along later, but the first mention of you is helper, helpmate. Now, it seems like an afterthought of God to make Adam a helpmate, doesn't it? I mean, he's made everything else a mate. Everything else has a pod, a flock, a herd, and Adam is by himself. How could an all-wise, omniscient, all-powerful God forget to do that for Adam? I don't think it was an oversight, do you? I think he purposely let Adam be by himself for a little while. And I'll tell you why I think he did. Because when you have something 
sometimes you don't value what you have. But when you don't have something, and you go alone for a while, and then you have a mate, a helpmate, a, a person to come alongside of you, how many of you know you remember what you missed, and now you're valuable for what you have? And so I think that's what happened here. And God didn't say, well, I guess I was wrong. I guess I had an oversight here. I think he purposely wanted him to know the benefit of having a mate. Now, most of you know that our culture is trying to redefine the family and redefine marriage. Now, the traditional marriage is a man and a woman under God, connected, committed, and being together. And our culture today doesn't ascribe that, doesn't believe that, doesn't uh, walk under that directive, and doesn't adhere to a biblical model. But I want to tell you something. God's plan is the best plan. Uh, today, half of millennials and Generation Zs believe that having a same-sex marriage is good for society. Uh, personally, I don't believe that. There's a rise of couples living together. Let me shock you. The greatest rise of couples living together is 50 and older. The divorce rate is actually rising in that same group, 50 and older. The younger people are actually lowering the divorce rate, and part of that is because they're just not getting married. So you have to understand some of the numbers behind the statistics. Um, the global divorce rate has increased 251.8% since 1960, and every year there's agencies that track that. And there's only one state in America that has a higher divorce rate than Oklahoma. So we're number two. Let's celebrate. No, not. Do you know what state has a higher divorce rate than Oklahoma? Nevada, where everybody goes to get a divorce. So how many of you believe we got some work to do in Oklahoma? And, and let's not talk about Nevada. If there's going to be any change, let it start at my house. Let, let's start at your house. The family's under attack. Men and women trying to come together as husband and wives. They're having challenges. Uh, we have challenges of finances and work and pressure, unrealistic unreal expectations of one another. Well, if she would do this, if he would do that, if they would just straighten up, does this sound familiar? Uh, Carrie and I have been married over 45 years. I told the early service we got married when we were 10. Nobody's <laughs> believing that. But we're concerned about marriage, uh, our marriage, your marriage, uh, marriages across America. We're concerned about our kids, concerned about their education, concerned about their safety, uh, bullying in school, worried about this perverse generation that they're being raised up in, sex, violence, crime. You know, we met with a, a group of educators for lunch this past week, and I think everybody would agree we're growing up in a crazy world. And there's a lot of kids that our teachers and our coaches and our administrators are having to deal with and a lot of, a lot of dysfunction. How many you know children are not born dysfunctional? Let me say that again. They're, they're not born dysfunctional. But when you put them in dysfunction, they become dysfunctional. Somebody's got to deal with that. Not only do you deal with that, you pay for it. Every paycheck, you're paying for it. How many you know the government doesn't create anything? Well, chaos, but besides that, I mean, everything comes from you. The government doesn't generate anything from your taxes, from your effort, from your labors. So that's the world that we are in. 
And God's idea of community and God's idea of civilization started pretty small. He, he began with a man and a woman and made a marriage. And please know that your Bible begins with a marriage. At the beginning, God put Adam and Eve together. Here's another note. The ending of the world as you know it ends with a marriage. Let that sink in for a minute. At the very beginning, God created Adam, then Eve, put them together as a marriage in the garden. And then when you read the last book of the Bible, he ends with a marriage. The marriage supper of the Lamb. How many of you think marriage is important to God? He began with marriage and he ended with marriage. So we ought to think it's valuable too. This very building block of society that God instituted started with a man, not, not a woman. Now listen, men, perk up. Ladies, good time for you to encourage the preacher. <laughs> I'll get you later, but hang on here. It actually started with a man. So we have to understand God created Adam first, the man, in his image, from the dust of the earth, breathed into him the breath of life, and then he took Eve from the side of the man. Um, Dr. Ed Young gave this little uh, scoring chart that I'm going to give to you, and I actually had uh, looked over it, and I thought I'd tweak it, because Carrie and I are married, and I kind of know how marriage goes. So, so listen... Um, Men, th th this is how you can add up some points. How many of you want to listen to me right now? Men, if you make up the bed in the morning, that's two points. If you forget to put the decorative pillows on there, minus three. <laughs> you're, you're in the hole. Oh, it's going to get better. If you listen to your wife when she's troubled and she's emotional, distraught, and you look at her and you feel that empathy and you, you feel that sympathy and you're connecting to her, that's 10 points. And if you don't try to fix it, it's another 10 points. But if you look at the television while she's talking, you're minus 20, you're back to zero. Y'all are so holy. Hey, um, if you take out the trash, give yourself three points. If you forgot to put the bag in it after you emptied it, minus five. You're in the hole. If you take your wife a cup of coffee while she's still in bed in the morning, hey, give yourself five points. If you forgot to put the cream in it, negative seven. Here's a good one. You go to a party together, you stay by her side all night, plus three. But then you go say hello to a classmate that you used to know. Her name is Tina, minus 10. <laughs> She's divorced and single, minus 15. <laughs> Men, as you get older, you develop a pot belly stomach. Pot belly, getting a little big there, minus 10. You decide, I'm going to go to the gym and work on it, plus 10. Then you quit exercising and you start buying big Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> Minus 30. <laughs> then she asks you the all-important question, do I look fat? If you hesitate two seconds, 
minus five. But if you say this, honey, I love you just the way you are, minus 1,000. <laughs> Sometimes marriage is like walking through a minefield. I want to tell you. Every once in a while, Carrie, she'll be upset with me, and I can tell it's all over. And I, I say, what's wrong? She says, I'm fine. How many of you know that's woman language for you're in trouble? And I'll say, well, what is it, honey? Well, I mean, what happened? She said, you know what happened. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm going to be real honest with you. I don't have a clue. It's what you said. When did I say it? Three days ago. Oh, really? We're there. Folks, I want to tell you something. Our, our marriages can either sizzle or they can fizzle. And God wants your marriage to sizzle. Because everything that we know in society really is birthed out of this relationship between a man and a woman. Your children, uh, everything that we know, God wants you to be happy. And I know some of you are at a place where you say, well, you know, I've heard this and I've heard that. You know, if you're single, you're lonely. If you're married, you're bored. I mean, you know, neither one of those have to be true. There's great single people. They may stay single all their life, maybe like the Apostle Paul. Some people like Peter, they're married. How many know you can be happy in either place? So we're not judging people. If you have your Bible, Genesis 2, that's where we're at, verse 21. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh in its place. Verse 22, then the rib which the Lord had taken from man, he made, the word is built, into a woman. And he brought her to the man. That's been said many times, and I think it's worth mentioning here. God did not take woman from his foot so he would step on her. He did not take woman from his head that he could, you know, lord over her. He took woman from what? The side, the rib, close to the heart, under the arm, protective. And God built the woman from the rib. Now, now there's something we need to note here. God made Adam first breathed in him the breath of life. But listen, woman, you came out of the man. Now, that may hurt your feelings, but I'm just telling you, it's the truth. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined, cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So that's, a, that's an old, old story, right? Archaic. We're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. Does it have anything to do with me today? And the, the answer is absolutely yes. You cannot improve on God's word. You and I need to take the word, we need to apply the word, we need to receive the word, live out the word. It's not something just for reading, it's something for doing. And so that's what we do. Now, I want to give you just three aspects of this this morning, and, and I think that's about all we can take. When I finish, you'll say, that's about all I can take. So, so here's the first one. The first thing of priority in marriage, according to the word of God, is that you leave. Say that with me. You must Leave Now, why do we say that? Verse 24, a man shall leave his father and mother. There is now a new priority. Now, please understand, Adam already had a previous priority with God. So his first relationship was not with Eve. His first relationship was with who? It's with Almighty God. So you don't diminish the first relationship, but now you're adding a new relationship, but it's high priority. You have to leave Listen to this, your father and mother, and then cleave to your wife, your spouse. Now, outside of God, 
Your mate is now your highest priority. Not your mother, not your father, not your brother, not your sister, not your job, not your hobby, and not Facebook, not social media. Now your highest priority outside of God is now your mate. And if you don't get this down now, young people, you're going to have a bucket load of hell. I thought I'd just share that with you. Now, maybe when you're single, you can golf every day. More power to you. You got the money, got the time, go golf. If you fish every day, go fish every day. Nothing wrong with that. But once you get married, honey, I'm going to tell you, things are going to change. There's a new priority for you. There's a new uh, attachment for you. God is your first priority. Your spouse is your second. Well, what about my kids? Yeah, they're next. But you got to get this thing in sequence. You got to get it right. You see, sometimes we get this so out of whack, then somebody feels neglected. Not the right priority. I've shared this story many times. I'm going to share it again because, you know, when you have something personally happen to you, how many of you know you get the message? Uh, I've been a pastor for a long, long time. been preaching over 40 years. Doesn't seem like that. And maybe you don't think that. I'm going to get better one of these days. But anyway, it's been a long time. And so there's, there's a lot of things in ministry. And, and there's people right here in this room will tell you that. Uh, unless you've ever done it, you don't have a clue. I'm going to tell you. Unless you've ever done it, you don't have a clue. Thousands of people. People in the community. There's preaching, teaching, marrying, burying. We hatch them, match them, and dispatch them all right here. <laughs> Can be a lot of pressure. One day we're trying to have dinner many years ago. And uh, the phone's ringing off the wall, can't even have dinner. But this is what I, line I want to get to you. Carrie came to me one day and she said, Mike, the church is the other woman. How does that make you feel when someone says that? Mike, the church is the other woman. I feel like you have put the church above me. And from that moment, I had to begin to change the way I did things. Now, everybody didn't like that. And that phone call that we got at dinner, uh, she took it, said hello. She hands me the phone back when we used to have landlines. And she, she handed me the phone and said, it's for you. Well, it was a, a prisoner at the Stevens County Jail. And, you know, we're, we're sympathetic for that. And this is what she asked me. She said, is our phone number written on the jail wall? <laughs> I said, I don't know. Maybe it is. And, and so we, we unlisted our phone number. We didn't change the number. We unlisted it. And then people came to me and said, Pastor, do you know that your phone number's not in the phone book? I said, really? Maybe they forgot to put it in there by design. So we had to begin to change the way we did things in our family because, see, my priority has to be God first, then my wife, my family, because that's the order of God, right? Now, he said, look at this, verse 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined, cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So he makes woman from the side of Adam, a partner, a helpmate, a helper, not to lord over, not to dominate, but a helper. The two shall become what? One. So there, there is a, a leaving that has to take place. Now the second thing here is not just the leaving. There has to be a cleaving. Say that with me. A cleaving. So we're to cleave together. Verse 24, and be joined. Cleave. 
The Hebrew word is devak, is the way you pronounce that. It means to cling to, stick to, to be glued, pursue, abide, to hold fast. And let me tell you, it's very important that we are cleaving together. We're glued together. We're pursuing together. We're dreaming together. We have visions together. We're, we're moving together. It's highly, highly important. It's critical. Now, Dad told me years ago, uh, I know the guy's name, I won't share it, but he, he said that uh, he and his wife, this guy, they were having some pretty big arguments, some difficulties, and some disagreements. One day, she said, I, I've had it. <laughs> I, I, I'm leaving you. She actually got her bags out, started packing her bags as I'm going. He emptied the pillow, got the pillowcase, started putting his stuff in the pillowcase. She said, what are you doing? He said, well, if you're leaving, I'm going with you. <laughs> True story. Folks, listen, th th there is so much that can happen to split us up. You have to always be on guard. You have to take care that we are together and we don't allow anything to separate us. Take your Bibles, Romans chapter 8. Let me just read a couple of verses with you. In Romans chapter 8, I'm going to begin at verse 35. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we're killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors, through him who loved us, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels or principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what he's saying? I don't want anything to separate us. You know God doesn't want anything to separate you from him? Amen. And according to the word, nothing can separate you from him unless you walk away. That, that's the attitude you ought to have according to your spouse. Whether it's sickness, whether it's difficulty, whether it's financial trouble, nothing should separate you from your mate unless you choose to just walk away, which is not God's will. Now, when you look at this, obviously everybody in here, including me, has made some horrible mistakes. Anybody here made any mistakes? So we're not judging, we're not throwing any stones. He that casts the first stone has to be without sin, so no stones going here today, right? So we have to be willing to realize there are things that want to separate you from that priority. Well, two priorities, you and God and you and your, your spouse. And men, we have to be careful that we don't allow that to happen. Now, if we compare this relationship with Christ Jesus as a marriage, and the Bible does, he says, I don't want anything to separate us. And nothing can if we keep this love going forward. The same thing about you and the same thing about me. We need to make sure we don't allow that to happen. Do you know the Bible wants to divide you in the sense that if you don't listen to it and you don't receive it, then therefore you don't follow it? You know whose work that is? That's the devil's. And the Bible's very clear that the devil is coming to kill, steal, and destroy. You know why? He knows the power of division, and the Bible relates that to us. So we don't have to wonder that. We don't have to think that. The Bible tells us the power of division. So what in the world is the devil trying to do to divide you? Because he knows the power of unity. The power of unity is greater than the power of division. 
So that's why we have to not only leave, but we also have to what? We have to cleave. We have to hold on for dear life. I want to tell you, sometimes in Carrie and I's marriage, we've just had to hold on for dear life. You say, you're the pastor. We've had to hold on for dear life. Because we don't want anything to separate us from that cleaving, that gluing, that bonding, that pursuing together. And uh, you never understand that until you get there. The power of division, the power of unity. Do you understand that God knew the power of unity at the Tower of Babel when he said they will accomplish anything they set their mind to do? I'll have to go and divide this. It's the power of unity. It's the power of division. We need to cleave together. Can I hear an amen? Now, here's the third one. The third thing is not only leave, cleave, but the third one's enjoy. He said, Pastor, I didn't read that. Well, you, you, let, let me read it to you. It's in verse 25, Genesis 2. And they were both naked. That's pretty enjoyable right there, folks. Are we still in the Bible? Everybody all right? Let's all say amen together. Amen. You feeling better? And they were what? Both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. You mean I can actually enjoy being married? Oh, yeah. You can enjoy being married. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know about that, Pastor. Yeah, you enjoy being married. It's one of the best things that ever happened to you. You see, if we meet one another's needs, we can have a great relationship. We can have a great marriage. What happens? Well, he doesn't meet my needs. She doesn't meet my needs. Nobody's getting their needs met. Guess what? Nobody's happy. So what do we need to do? This is what we do. Well, when she meets my needs, I'll meet her needs. When he meets my needs, I'll meet his needs. Guess what? We're still in this vicious circle. Nobody's meeting anybody's needs. You know what, men? You start. Oh, pastor. Let her start. No. Who was here before Eve? Adam was. Whose responsibility is it to be proactive? It's the man's. We are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. You say, well, how did he love the church? He loved the church before the church ever loved him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, loved us while we didn't even love him. But yet, how many of you know, are you glad that he loved you before you loved him? So, men, we should be the proactive ones. We should be the men who are making the move. We're making that step. We're the ones who are saying, okay, I'm going to meet your needs. And then we reciprocate that back. Well, you, you know, uh, I, I just don't know if uh, I really understand all the needs of a man. Some women say, well, you know, I read in Glamour magazine, these are what the needs of a man are. Well, I, I saw on Facebook, somebody posted, these are the needs of a man. Somebody on the internet, you know, said these are the needs of a man. I don't even know. The Bible tells you what the needs of a man are. If you're trying to get it from Glamour Magazine, it's written by a woman who doesn't even know what a man is. You wasted $3.50. 
So what are the needs? Well, maybe if you don't have a clue, I could share some with you. Let me give you three very quickly. The needs of a man are honor and respect. That's number one. A man needs honor and respect. You see, man has created the image of God. Since he's created the image of God, let me say this to you. Does God need us to affirm him and praise him and worship him? The answer is yes. I'm not saying that you worship and you praise your man, but I'll guarantee you, you'll get a lot further with some kind of affirmation than you will in agony. Because something happens, and I know this personally, when you begin to complain and nag, a man just begins to turn you off. Now, he may be looking at you, batting his eyes and smiling, but I'm going to tell you in his heart, he's dialing you down because he don't want to hear it. You say, well, I've got to get him to do this, and he needs to do this. He needs... Honey, let me try something different on you. Why don't you praise him for what he does right, and maybe he'll do more right if you praise him, if you compliment him. If you tell him, honey, you take the trash out like nobody I've ever seen, he may do it twice a day. <laughs> if you will shift gears and not go from the negative and start going from the positive, then possibly he'll react to that. Because, see, he's created in the image of God, and we need to know honor and respect is big for a man. That's why so many young people join gangs. They want the honor. They want the respect. They want the camaraderie. So it's big with mankind. Here's the second thing. What does a man need? He needs sex. Man is a progenitor. He's created in the image of God. God is a creator. You see, the seed is in the man. See, a man is programmed to have sex. Pastor, you're talking crazy talk this morning. Where in the world do you read this in your Bible? It's in yours too. Be fruitful and multiply. There's this crazy thing that men have called testosterone that makes us act weird. We'll jump up and belly bump one another. We'll fist bump and... We'll watch football and wrestling and all kind of stuff. You say, well, I'm not going to watch that with him. Well, honey, you want us to watch Hallmark with you? Come on, let's get a little equity in this relationship. Well, it's true. Well, all he wants is sex. Honey, he don't want sex. He needs sex. Your car doesn't want gas. Your car needs gas. The Bible even says if you separate for a while to fast and you separate and you're going to be real spiritual and for days you're going to fast, you're going to seek God, guess where you should immediately go back to? The bed. Does the Bible say that, Pastor? Absolutely. You say, well, I don't know if I believe that scripture. Anybody believe John 3.16? It's in the same book. 
It's called the Bible. Not the same chapter, not the same writer. But it says if you separate for a while, you need to come back together so that Satan doesn't get an advantage. Well, I'm going to take care of business. I don't have time for that. Well, honey, there's another woman down the street will have time for it. She'll have time for it. Well, I'm going to do that. She doesn't need me. Well, somebody else will take care of her if you don't. This is amazing. Look at me just for a second. As much as you get so, <laughs> so upset with your, your mate, your husband, say that big lug, I tell you what, I don't know what I'm going to do with him. Believe it or not, there's another woman would like to have him. Isn't that amazing? In your wildest dreams, you couldn't believe anybody else would love to have him. But there is somebody would probably do that. I know that, that sounds foreign. But somebody would actually like to have him. And as much as you say, well, I can't stand her. She gets on her. There's actually another man would love to have her. And you know what we ought to do? We ought to just dance with the one who brung us and make this workable and happy. And we need to know that God knows what he's doing. You see, God is the one who created sex. God's the one who put this on course. And young people, let me just say this to you. Well, you come to church and the preacher's up here and you know what the Bible says and sometimes in our culture you say, well, they're trying to keep me from sex. No, we're trying to keep you for sex. At the right time with the right person, right covenant, right commitment, right marriage. How many of you know God's all for it? You short-circuit it, it will come back to bite you. So, we just need to know God's Word works. Here, here's the third thing. The third thing man needs is to feel a sense of accomplishment. We need to feel a sense of accomplishment. Since man has created the image of God, God is a creator, and men need to feel productive and needed. Men need to feel productive and needed. Listen, if you're looking for a man to be the man of the house, if you will step down, ladies, from being the man, maybe he will be the man. There can't be two men there. If there is, that's not cool with God. Well, if he'd just be the man of the house, honey, quit being the man of the house. Let him be the man of the house. Well, you know, I bring home the bacon. Well, sometimes you bring home the pig too. Because sometimes women, they make more money than the men. They have more uh, accomplishments than the men. But listen, we're not talking about how much money you make. We're talking about position here. Listen to me, we're talking about position. I actually counseled both of my sons in premarital, premarital counseling. And you're going to find this amusing. But both of my sons were married here. I did the ceremony. And, and nearly everybody who gets married here, we try to do a premarital counseling session with them. So I, I have my future daughter-in-law, I have my son here, I, 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 you know, I do the counseling, the next one comes along and gets married, I have my son here, my future daughter-in-law, and, and I ask them both this question. I said, I said, would it bother you if your wife made more money than you? You see, one of my daughter-in-laws is a doctor, the other daughter-in-law is a lawyer, and so I'm looking at them. I, I know where they're going. I, I know their position. And so I look at them, look at my sons, and I said, would it bother you if your wife, called them by name, made more, more money than you? And they gave a great daddy answer. They said, absolutely not. 
But, listen, we can get into an attitude. Hey, I make more money than you. Let's go a step further because sometimes, you know, we, we get into situations where, you know, we, we come with children. You know, these are my kids. Let, let's get back one. And here a guy is, he, he's got some kids that he didn't really produce naturally, but now they're in the house. And then someone says, hey, you can't correct those. Those are my kids. You can't do that. Those are my kids. Honey, when you married him, this is a package deal. Amen. Sir, when you married her, this is a package deal. There should be a, a, a divine bonding here. You know what biblical arithmetic is? One plus one equals one. The two shall become what? One flesh. I, I did pretty good in, in math until uh, they got the alphabet over in it. When they started putting X and Ys and Zs and in there, it was a little hard for me to figure out what A and B was. You have to understand that I went to school around here in the Stone Age. I went to college. My, my dad's youngest brother, um, not too far from my age, he went to Vietnam, was there for a few years, and, and uh, Jim came back from Vietnam and decided he was going to go to college. So he, he went to the same college I was in, and he went on the GI Bill. He was about like me. We all had to, we all had to pass college algebra. And so there was a group of us, all from this area. We enroll in Jimmy Chin's college algebra class, and then Jimmy quickly rushed in to enroll with us. We, we said, why are you enrolling with us? He said, the curve will be so low, I can pass it now. <laughs> but let me tell you what biblical arithmetic is. One plus one equals one. Not two, but one. The two shall become what? One flesh. And once we become that, then we see and we sense the needs of the other person. And it's very important because if someone doesn't get their needs met, then they may look for those needs to be met somewhere else. And folks, I don't want anyone to meet Carrie's needs other than me. And you don't want anyone to meet your spouse's needs other than you. And God gave us the context. He gave us the institution, if you will. Probably a bad word. I've been trying to stay out of institutions all my life. But anyway, he gave us the format where we could grow and thrive, and it's called marriage. You say, well, Pastor, I thought you were going to talk about family. Honey, every family starts here. And it really starts with the man. So guys, I'm asking you to step up. Well, when she does this, when she, no, 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 no. When you begin, you have to just step out on faith and you do what you're supposed to do. You begin to meet her needs. You love her unconditionally. And folks, you know what you'll, you'll see? You'll see a, re, uh, a, a, a return of that, a reciprocity that will come back to you. Now, let me say this to you again. The Bible started with a marriage, you're going to read in Revelation, it ends in a marriage. And folks, this is important to Almighty God. Have we messed up? Have we made mistakes? Sure we have. 
Every person in here has made some pretty big mistakes. None of us without some, a little bit of guilt. But how many of you are glad for the mercy and the grace of God? And he covers that. And we don't have to walk in guilt. We don't have to walk in fear. We don't have to walk in condemnation. We can hold our head up and say, you know what? I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And this is what we have to avoid too. Well, you know, the culture says we can do this. And, you know, we can do this. And, and everybody says it's okay. Folks, listen. I'm listening to God more than I am to culture, aren't you? And I want to do what he says because I know what he says actually works. And I want a marriage, I want a family that actually works. And I want us to be happy. Don't you bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.